Life from the Well is sponsored by Scratch Distillery. Located in Edmonds, Washington, Scratch Distillery crafts delicious spirits from scratch. Every batch is made by hand from local non-GMO organic grains. Head on over to Edmonds and taste the natural, delicious flavors for yourself. If you have an itch for a cocktail, go scratch it. Welcome to Life from the Well. We're here to share our perspectives with stories from the service industry. I'm your bartender, Joey. Enjoy the show. This episode from Life from the Well is served handcrafted by Barfly Mixology Gear, a line of essential tools for mixologists. Life from the Well. And coming to us from Sacramento, California for a second time, Ken, my good friend, Kendall Lauren. Kendall, welcome back to the show. How are you doing today? I'm doing really good, man. Thanks for joining us. Uh, Kendall's agreed to come back on and he's, he's, uh, he's been working his ass off through COVID. And I know a lot of people out there aren't and are kind of curious, at least in our industry. You know, there's a lot of people in the restaurant industry that are unemployed right now. and We're all just kind of waiting to see what happens with our industry or what it's going to look like in the future for us. Um, you know, and so I, I like to have you come on and talk to us a little bit about some of your experiences working through COVID. And I mean, I, there's a lot of up and da- ups and downs. You know, I've since, since I've come back to work, I'm working at a couple of different jobs and it's, it's definitely not <laughs> at all anything like it used to be. Um, and the, so, uh, yeah. Anyway, anyways, uh, th- thanks for coming back. Man. Yeah. Yeah. I, uh, you know, it's, it's good to, to sort of reflect. Um, we sat down in, in April when, when things were yeah. you know, real early in the shutdown. And I, I feel like there's been so many chapters of, of this crazy, horrible situation, um, for my little restaurant and, and my personal life. And, um, it's, uh, while I, while I was thinking about what I might talk about today, it, it was really important for me to sort of keep in perspective that, that gratitude piece, right? Like, there, you know, it's a dark time. I, there's, there's no way around it. it yeah. um, the reality of especially fine dining, which is where I spent all of my career, essentially, mm-hmm. um, it doesn't, doesn't really fit in, in what the world needs and what the world is able to experience right now, right? Like fine dining in many ways is about that personal touch and that, that care that you're able to, to wrap your, wrap your arms around exactly what an individual wants. And, mm-hmm. you know, right now it, it just doesn't seem to make sense. Um, so there's, there's a, there's a piece that's just a lot of grief and sadness about, what does that mean for me? What does that mean for our industry? What do we need to do to change in a way that makes sense and, and offer, you know, everybody still has to eat. Um, even though right now, so at this point in the shutdown, we've gone from in March, it was curbside only, right? And yeah. um, here in Sacramento, uh, Memorial Day weekend, they opened up bars and in restaurant dining we sort of stayed back for a few weeks and then I, I believe it was the third week of June that we opened our dining room about 50% occupancy you know 
very meticulously went over the, the guidelines to do everything right. Mm -hmm. um, and then it was July 2nd that our... How was, how was the return business at that point when you had 50% occupancy? Were you guys at 50% occupancy every night? Um, well, it was such a brief period that, yes, we were, we were really fortunate. You know, the, yeah. um, we, we were doing... Wednesday through Sunday, and then a little bit Tuesday through Saturday. And for the most part, um, on the weekends, we could get, we could turn the room pretty much twice. And then on the weekdays, we were turning the room once. Um, but it, it you know, it, it's just a, it's just not the same, right? When, when there is a feeling of, of lack of trust that everybody has towards sort of are are others <laughs> making wise decisions? Are are the people around you um, aware that their choices potentially have impacts on your health and safety? Right. And um, well, that's that's one of the big things about that we've really been trying to convey. And honestly, like when I was talking to my dad, um, conservative as he is and 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 right leaning, when we were talking about the mask issue. Um, that was the thing that we told him it was like, you're not wearing a mask for yourself. You're wearing it for everyone else around you. Right. You know, and what you're keeping this stuff in and you're also giving them the security of knowing that you're, that you're not going to sneeze on them or cough on them or spread your germs as much. You know, it's not, it's not necessarily for you. It's, it's for others. It, it's supposed to, it, it, it comes from a different place in your heart. I think, you know, it's, it's, it's not a, it's not a selfish thing to wear a mask. It's, it's something that's very like caring, I think. Yeah, absolutely. And, you know, I, I, this is one area where the whole conversation about what, what it means to participate in the economy right now in public spaces, what it means to engage in, in areas where you're, you know, interacting with people outside your household that, that you haven't quarantined with, is, mm -hmm. is just an understanding that, that right now the world going out in public carries with it more risk than it did before, right? There, you know, whenever, whenever you choose to do anything, there's a certain amount of risk associated with it. But in this particular time, the risks are greater and the consequences are potentially very severe. Um, and especially for... Even if they're not severe for you, you know, you right, could be right. a barrier to 200 other people and someone could die in that group of people that you infected yeah. because you were careless. And, you know... It's it's one of those things where we don't we don't know a lot of the long term consequences for young people that that will get COVID and and you know recover and and what if there's long term effects on, yeah. on the lungs and and um, the you know pulmonary system and cardiovascular like there's just a lot of questions because it is new and and there's part of me that just feels that we as a culture don't have that level of humility to say we don't know right i don't think we definitely don't because <laughs> i mean we, we we can't even we can't even slow down to sit you know to to process it or, or find a solution before we try to get things going again you know we, we aren't even at a point where we can have everybody tested on a regular basis and they're trying to reopen society yeah there's places in this country that, that i mean we shut down yet or but you know, we, um, I was telling you earlier, for people on the podcast know, uh, my, my wife and I just flew down to New Mexico. We flew down to Texas, rather, very west Texas of El Paso, and then drove seven states up. And so we got a really close-up 
yeah. <laughs> view of how seven states, at least, you know, in the motels, gas stations and, and, and you know, kind of the everyday Joe Q public people are, are dealing with this in these different states. And, you know, there's some places that are doing it really well. And, there's, and there were some that were we were shocked. Um, Utah, about the entire state didn't even mandate masks yeah. until until it was um, Monday the Monday the seventeenth of August. We were there on the fifteenth, <laughs> and there were signs everywhere telling everybody that they were going to ha- they were going to be required to wear masks on Monday, starting Monday. And there were all these people were just kind of walking around. Some people were you know were already wearing them. You know, mostly young people, from what I saw seems that young people are taking this um, more seriously than, than the older people. Um, yeah. But it, it was, it's definitely, uh, you know, it, it's weird to me because we all have TV, we all have computers, we can see how, you know, this affected the entire world. <laughs> this, yet, yet now people are so self-involved that they only think it's America and they think that it's, that, that, because it's America, we can do it different. And it's like, you guys, look, there's a, just about every other country in the world has, has handled this better than us. Um, and, and even the ones that haven't, like we can look at the ones that have, just look at Canada, you know, look at how they're reacting to the problem. You know, it, it's, it's masks, it's social distancing, it's, it's, you know, space and time and, and not, not reopening bars right away, not reopening schools right away, getting this shit under control right. before we. Right. Well, so that, that, being in California, that's one area where I have have felt the most helpless and and um, sort of just uncertain about what what needs to happen right now. So um, because we need to stop having Sturgis rallies where people gather by yeah. the thousands with no mask, and now they're having now that is causing outbreaks around the country. Yeah. Because all these people gathered in the middle of the country and now they're spreading it all over the country. So there's this huge resurgence of COVID big, you know, because of Sturgis. It's like, get, get your head out of your ass and stop doing this kind of shit. Yeah. Well, but, you know, I, I, I feel like in California, our, our numbers were very, very good for a long time. And the, the story of Sacramento is, is a tough one. We are, our, our numbers were, were very good until Memorial day. Um, and for cities, um, about our size, size, we were, we were doing very well. And then when the bars reopened, it, you know, Sacramento is, is in very bad shape. Um, we currently have 3000 more cases in Sacramento County than all of San Francisco. Wow. And do you all have, um, do you have a curfew on the bars at this point? Uh, bars are not open. Not open at all. Bars are not open. So. Wait, so um, maybe restaurants then. So I don't, bars aren't open here either, but restaurants that serve alcohol have to be done by 10 o'clock. Oh, um, no. We, like, they, they cut us off at 10 instead of 2 now because there, there were bars that were serving food and calling themselves restaurants and staying open until 2 right. and just right. skirting the issue. Um, and, you know, so then everybody freaks out. It's like, oh, 10 o'clock. Yeah. Like, well, yeah, because you guys are out drinking and drunk people do dumb things more often. Well, so there was a there was a point at which um, early in July there there were basically three ways that you might have been shut down, continued to be shut down, and were about to be shut down here in California based on your county and based on um, the the current 
status of, of whether or not you're on the watch list. Um, and I, I think there continues to be a lot of confusion um, about what it is that is the goal right now, right? I, I think early, early on in March, uh, it was very clear that, that when you were mixing with, with um, people that were not part of your immediate um, household, right, that, that that was behavior that you should not do. Um, mm. At this point, I, I don't think people understand that. I don't, I don't think that that is clear to people where that line is and, and how to approach those situations where um, you are potentially at risk, right? Or, and, and so, so that's, on a, that's on like a messaging level of, okay, I don't, I don't feel like we as a community understand our goals right now as far as what we're doing to combat um the virus and and to quell the 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 fire that is is absolutely raging uh, well i mean not to get too political but that absolutely comes down to leadership yeah, yeah. well and you know I, I i think but but that's i i don't think all the blame can be pointed at, at one side of the aisle and and i i'm, I'm pointing that at, at the top leadership yeah, though yeah. because here's, here's it's the president yep. it's the president not taking it seriously and leaving it up to the states yeah and not yep. setting mandates because it doesn't matter how good washington is at quelling yes. the virus if you know unless we close our borders as a state yeah you know and then it's not even that because you have people in the state that are following the president like on the other half of the state where we're having a lot of outbreaks in Yakima and what Eastern Washington um, uh, because people are, are listening to, you know, just aren't taking it serious enough or, or, you know, they think it's a political issue and it's not a, it's, it's, yeah, it's, it's a virus, you guys. Like it's, it doesn't care if you're Democrat or Republican, right. you know, it, right. it, it, and it'll, it only cares if you're, if you're, you know, susceptible. And the other part of that conversation is that, you know, the, the way to beat a virus is to, only have it meet dead ends, right? So if, if everybody right now that was infected did not infect another human being, then mm -hmm. it goes away. And it dies. You have to stop the spread. Yep, that is, that is an achievable thing, but we as a society have chosen to say it's, it's too difficult. It's too hard to, to do it. Um, and yeah. well, Here's a good question for you, Kendall. So we... We closed schools early <clears throat> because of COVID. Yeah. Since then, we haven't made any progress. But now we're very eager to get back to school. And it's like, well, so you closed school to get the kids away from the disease. But now, because other countries have done better than us, that people feel like there's pressure to get kids back to school. So our education system doesn't fall farther behind. I but I just don't understand, like, if you're valuing human life enough to end the school year early, what causes you to start it early? Well, know, that's, yeah. Being, exercising that same caution. What happened to our caution? Right, right. Well, I, you know, my, my father wanted to visit um, my oldest brother for, um, my, my oldest brother, who, who's Mormon, um, was ordained a bishop of the, of the church recently. And so my father wanted to travel and, and be at the ordinate, ordination. And um, we had a conversation about like, well, why, why would you travel in, this was in July, why would you travel in July 
when the cases are, are far, you know, far more widespread, when, you know, there, if this were March, there's no way that you would get on a plane, right? And the world has mm -hmm. only gotten more, you know, risky. There's, there's more risk in you taking that trip now than there was back in March. Um, yeah. You know, I, I had very strong feelings. My, my father ended up choosing not to go. And, you know, for the, the thing for me is, yeah. that, like, look, the, the problem is not really understanding what that risk is, right? You know, my, right. my father has health conditions and, and his age are, are both contributing factors so that in the event that he got the virus, it would be potentially very, very bad. Um, yeah. But that's not, that's not necessarily the case. Like, but we just don't have enough information to know if the choices that we're making are good choices, right? You, what what yeah. sort of risk are people exposing themselves to? Yeah, because you can't compare this disease to anything else, which is something I feel like people are trying to do also, right? Oh. They're like, oh, well, the flu is this, or this is this, or this is this. But it is not any of those things. Like, that's like comparing the flu to the cold or, or to cancer or something. Like, it's its, its own strain, right? Yeah. It's, it's, it's running well, its own. The other thing attacking its own. is that, you know, we, we still lose tens of thousands of people to the flu every year, but we have mm -hmm. immunities that, that are, are built up because we've got years and years of exposure. Yeah. We got generational exposure. And we have to treatments to, to address the symptoms. And, and that comes from a history of understanding the thing, right? That because, because we as, as human beings have dealt with the flu, we have tools to do something about it. But this is, this is brand new. And, and you know, we're, we don't know what tools are going to be effective. We don't have um, a very good understanding of what else we can do other than stay away from each other right now. Yeah. Like that, that's the only effective tool that we have. Mm -hmm. um, and you know, you know what I've heard actually, just, just the COVID preparation that, that we've been doing as, as a species, I guess, has brought the, the flu numbers down so far this year, like by a large percentage. Mm -hmm. And I should look up the exact numbers. But I think like average, because people are masking up more, yeah. the, it's just like the flu isn't spreading yeah. as much as it normally does. People aren't sneezing in each other's faces or coughing, you know, or coughing on a handrail in the bus and then 10 other people walk past that handrail. That, that's, uh, that all is down. So there is, a, there is a little bit of a silver lining, I guess. <laughs> and, you know, I, so as far as from from a hospitality perspective as far as like what this means for our industry and what this means for um how we interact with our guests you know it's it's hard right now look when my my philosophy about management is that when i have a problem that i'm trying to solve i look at it like i am successful if in one week or a month, I'm facing a different problem, right? Like whatever, whatever it is that I'm, that, that is causing either my guests to be frustrated or my staff to be frustrated or me to be frustrated. If I can put systems in place and address those issues and then move on, right? That, that you actually feel like you're dealing with a different problem <laughs> that, that yeah. we can as a team say, this isn't working 
what are we going to do to change it? And, th and that's my role. Well, I feel like in this particular time, all of it is just compounding and com compounding and compounding where I feel like I'm under more stress in my professional life than I've ever been, right? I feel like I'm under a, a very high degree of stress, almost the most stress in my personal life, you know, bar none. And, and to understand that, that you know, the, the owner of the business also is under more stress and, and more uncertainty. So all of those decisions come with so much greater weight. And then to be able to put on the mask and then put on that show for your guests and, and to create that, oh, come out and relax and, and have a great time. Like there, yeah. there's, just, there's just this, this it feels like you're being pulled in these, in these very different directions. And it's, it, it's just, it's very, very difficult to um, do what we do under the amount of stress that, that we're under because it's, some problems are always going to be the same because everybody wants dinner on a Friday night at 7 p.m., right? <laughs> and <Yeah>. you can't, <clears throat> when, when, you know, so we've expanded our patio area and it's like, we only have so many seats, right? Mm -hmm. But the, one of the, one of the major challenges is that you, you can't staff for a situation in which Early in the night, I've got way too many people on the floor. At seven o'clock, I might have the right number of people on the floor, right? Mm -hmm. But what do we do on a Tuesday? Where given, given the, the current situation, it is a, it is a wild mystery well, what sort of numbers are gonna walk through our door. It is, it is just yeah. un, unreal, like how uncertain that, that piece is, right? So I, I feel right now that Number one, my, my decisions that I make regarding staffing, regarding, um, you know, all of, all of the ordering that I do, any, any amount of, you know, expense that, that we incur carries so much more weight, right? Because you feel like it is going to make or break us. And, yeah. and every day, even, even on a day where people come through the door, you, you look at the numbers at the other side of the night and you say, that was so much work for so mm -hmm. relatively so little revenue. Right. And it, it's yeah. terrifying. It, it, um, so mm -hmm. that, that's the situation that, that I continue to face. And, and it, it's one of those things where now that we're in, you know, we're approaching six months, right? Mm -hmm. yeah. Yeah, yeah. There was a morning, right? It's, I mean, it's August. Yeah. This has been here since January. No, Mark. I mean, the, the Seattle guy hit in February. So we're at seven. Yeah. Well, so March 15th was the official, yeah. March 15th was the official shutdown for us. Oh yeah, that's right. Right. It was the Ides of Arch, March. It was the, it was actually, that's funny because I was just telling someone the other day, they're asking when the last time I ate in a restaurant was. <laughs> and I was thinking like, our anniversary was March 14th and, and we went out for dinner that night. Um, I had just lost my job like two days before because <laughs> we had just shut down all of our restaurants and then there was another wow. week where all the other restaurants stayed open and, and then they shut down the next night. But we didn't even know at the time that they were like everybody was just kind of going day to day at that yeah. point. So, but we did go out to eat since we, we ate at the hotel 
And now we've, we ate at a couple places on our road trip too. There's a couple restaurants that were open, like diners. Inside, and they were outside. All, what's that? Outdoor dining or, or indoor or both? Oh yeah, it's like Denny's, man. Denny's is running at 50% occupancy. So some of them, like they were only doing, like there was a Sherry's in Utah, I think that was only doing to go. There was like a Brown Bear Diner or Black Bear Diner, Black Bear Diner that was, that was just every other table. That was, that was in Utah because I remember uh, like half the people there didn't even have masks on yet. We were just like, what are you doing? Like, holy crap. Yeah. We kept yeah. our masks on. We sat at our table, you know, the, all the staff did, you know, it was just, like I said, it was, it was mostly the, the people that go to diners, the older crowd, which is kind of walking around. Yeah. But yeah, it, I mean, I feel like now is just, it's really hard to, to um, continue running restaurants like the way they were run before. It, yeah. it just doesn't seem, it doesn't seem sustainable. Right. Yeah. And um, you know, I, I, I think that especially for those of us that, that are, you know, put our big dumb faces in front of the public day in and day out, like there, there are those guests that, that you're able to be a little more real with. Right. And, and when they ask you, Oh, how's your day? You're a lot more honest and, and sort of forthcoming than, yeah. Sure. Then those those guests that like it's it's not necessarily lying, but it, it's it's that sense of like yeah, I'm not they're gonna, being polite. They don't really. Yeah, care. I'm not. <laughs> I'm, I'm not gonna say hey, yeah, no, this is like literally the, one of the worst months of my entire life. Like, <laughs> yeah. yeah, that's you know it's funny because I've I've had that at the at the pizza place I work at. People come up and they're like, oh, it's so good. You guys are open again. We're so happy to have you back. How you doing? I'm like, <laughs> fucking horrible. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> It's like thanks, thanks for not tipping. <laughs> you know, it's yeah. like, you know, thanks for tipping a dollar on thirty. Like, but I don't even want to get it to tips because well, I was yeah, actually and, and like, no, but but it, it does bring up uh, just a, an interesting dynamic about about where we stand in relation to the general public as far as yeah, because when you started saying that, I, I've got I've got these stories, but you know, I'm I'm not going to sit here and, and, and just, you know, rain down my frustrations about the general public. Cause it's, it's my yeah. role. It's my yeah. role to be that person. that's like, no, I'm, I'm there for you. And, and, but, mm. but right now that, that whole shift of like, yeah, they, that guest as an individual actually can't save this business. You know, it's, mm -hmm. it's one of those things where, um, well, that's like, you know, them giving you a big tip that doesn't make you rich. Yep. You want to see them again, but like a big tip from one guest is it's, it's a compliment and that's it. Yeah. For the most part, you know, uh, it doesn't solve any problems. Typically. Well, and, but you know, you have these dynamics of like, um, you, you want to be, you want to be kind and you want to be open hearted and you want to be generous, but you're it feels like you're getting kicked in the stomach so many times. And it's not necessarily like, I don't, I don't hold any ill will towards any of my guests that want to come in and have a good time. It's, it's, but again, that tension of like every choice that I'm making right now is yeah. that much more stressful. Right. It's, it's, um, and you know, so we've expanded our patio area and we have more seating outside. Well, since we expanded that, we've seen record-breaking heat, 112 degree day here in Sacramento. 
yeah. which has led to um, the worst fire season that I've ever seen in California. And yeah. so we've had these days where we can't even operate outside because the air is, is hazardous. Smoke. Right. So, yeah. Um, yeah. It, it, it is just, there's, there's an immense amount of like the nightmare just gets longer and, and more intense. And it, it's like, I can't make this shit up. This is, this is really happening. And, mm -hmm. um, I, you know, I don't know what we're going to do. I, I, don't, I don't know that there's another side of this. You know, it's like when, we're, when we're getting ready and, you know, it, it, is, it is more work for less money all around right now. Like, Absolutely. I'm working harder than I have in years yeah. and I'm making about a quarter of what I used to make. Maybe. And a quarter. Um, there, there's part of me that's like, as, as much as I wake up every day and tell myself, this is temporary. Well, huh. I mean, so, so you're, you're, you're not somebody who's, who's bringing people in and calling people off. I'm the, I'm the one that has to say, Oh, who's going to go home tonight when yeah. like, I, I have, I have people on the staff that their, their unemployment got all messed up and, and it, mm -hmm. they're, they're, pursuing certain like i know that everybody in washington had to recertify because of fraud well it looks like potentially this particular person on my staff there's been fraud from the get-go and they haven't seen it they haven't seen a penny yet and it's and 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 it's heartbreaking being like i i want my staff to know they can come in and and make some money and go home and feel good nobody nobody at the end of the day right now goes home and feels good because it, it just feels like either there's too much at once to get the job done right or nobody comes through the door and everybody's upset. Everybody's just, just frustrated because there's not enough people to serve or there's too many servers on the floor. So nobody's making their, making enough money. Like, mm -hmm. Yeah. These are normal restaurant feelings, right? Everybody has had that night where you're on the floor and you're serving and you're like, Oh, I didn't, I only had like, you know, five tables tonight. Why was I even here? But mm -hmm. now again, all of those choices that we make feel like the life and the death of, of this business, right? They, they feel yeah. like these choices are make and break choices. And, and ultimately because there's no other side of this as far as we can see, right? Mm -hmm. Especially, so, to, to go from... Not, not until we can test and then have some sort of vaccine. Like, I don't feel like there's another side of this. There's, well, I, it's not, we're not even treating it yet. It's just, we're in isolation phase still that we're, we haven't been able to manage. Yeah, like, like you were saying, I, I, have not, I have not eaten out once. Um, I, I've done curbside pickup, maybe, you know, mm -hmm. a handful of times. Yeah. Um, I, I've been very, very, um, selective about the types of things that I've done during the mm -hmm. shutdown. One thing I, I do, I, I should say, sorry to, sorry to interrupt you just on this. Um, I've noticed that. And what I've tried to do at least is, is when we do do the curbside pickup, we try to call a pizza place across the street or somewhere like 
somewhere locally owned and nearby that we can walk to or somewhere that, that we know we're like giving like someone in our neighborhood a little pump. And I feel like w one of my jobs is in downtown Seattle in the heart of where I used to work. And the other one of my jobs is in Edmonds in, in a little residential neighborhood. And the Edmonds residential neighborhood job is busy my entire shift. And I think that's, I think that's a big thing that is just a lot of people are sticking to the neighborhoods right now and kind of doing that just, um, for, for what they have, you know, that you typically know the people in your hometown, right. That, that own the restaurants. And well, I imagine like the downtown areas, nobody's in those office buildings, right? No. Yeah. You, you really, you, you're really only pulling business from the, from the condo buildings. So like, like I said before, the only people downtown right now are, are the wealthy and the ultra poor, you know? And so you're just hoping that they come out of their high rise condos to get some, to get some fancy pizza. Yeah. Because nobody else is downtown right now. Everybody's just sticking around in their neighborhoods, uh, yeah. going to the local spot. You know, it, it's it's a little bit of a of a of a you know a few steps back as far as like our industry goes. But there is there there are still areas where where restaurants are are banging. Um, you know, and, and it it's just a matter of I think their adaptability to the times and and just trying to find a way to not so much do what they did, but just make a profit still, you know, my, my, my friend Brian is, is, is one of those guys where he, he changed his model a little bit. He changed his restaurant from table service to counter service. Yeah. Um, and then, and he has a big outdoor patio, fortunately, that is great this time of year Yeah. in Washington. Yeah. And, but you know, Washington, we have three months of patio weather <laughs> and the rest of the year, you got to wear your rain gear if you want to sit out there. Right. Um, or something warm or, you know, but, you know, so it's, it's ideal currently for, for us up here to have outdoor seating as the only option, but, you know, in, in two months, that's, that's all going to go away. Um, so yeah. it'll be, it'll be real interesting to see, um, how, how that continues for us at least. I don't know. Yeah. I mean, you know, we, we in Sacramento, potentially September, October have enough nice days that we could continue to operate pretty much well into October. Like most, most Halloween's here. It's like, if, if you have long sleeve shirts, that's, that's rare, right? It's, it's still, mm -hmm. it's still pretty nice um, by the time we get to Halloween. Um, but you know, fire season, we're, in, we're into fire season now. And yeah. I was, I was yeah. thinking, um, I was off. How close, is, how close is that to you guys? Um, so we, this is the first year since I, I've been in Sacramento four years. This is the first year that um, we've been on watch list for uh, evacuation. Yeah. So uh, Vacaville is the closest one and it's, it's really, really scary. And again, you know, I, it puts what's important in perspective, right? Like, sure. Absolutely. That, I'm not facing that, right? Because there are a lot of people in Northern California that are having to, to leave their homes in this particular fire situation. Where do you go? All of California, yeah. all, all yeah. the way, Santa Cruz to, to Redding, all of it is is just on fire. And Yeah, the, ho the hotel down the road isn't exempt. Like, you can't just go there, yeah. like, well, stay somewhere nearby. Like, you have to and, and on top of that, all of the fear about, you know, will you get sick when you evacuate? Because then you're, you're exposed to coronavirus, right? right. Yeah. It is, it is, it is horrifying what, what we're facing mm -hmm. right now. Um, 
And they got a hurricane on the other side of the country. Right. Right. I mean, got a fire hurricane and a water hurricane. Yeah. Yep. Um, so, so again, like that, that gratitude piece, like I, I am, I'm grateful that I am for, for the time being, I'm safe. My family's safe. We're not evacuated. Um, and, and you feel for those people that are going through this. It's, it's heartbreaking that, you know, here we are. Yeah. Um, but what, what that means for operating a restaurant that can only serve outside I mean, so last Wednesday and Thursday, the ash was just falling so heavily, you know, you, you could see it, it, it was almost like snow on all your cars, right? And mm-hmm. yeah. um, it, it was, it, I, I could not understand the other restaurants in the vicinity of, of my restaurant that opened their patios. Like you step outside and it burns your eyes and, and you know, yeah. you're putting, you're putting your staff at risk. You're putting your patrons at risk. Like mm-hmm. it's very clear that the air is not healthy to breathe. And yeah. I, I understand people, people need to eat, but they don't, they don't need to be in danger when they do that. Like there, there's no, like, so we made the choice that, that we weren't going to serve outside and we offered curbside and, and we continue to, try to operate but again it puts us in a situation where there is mass confusion about oh can i can i eat at your restaurant mm-hmm. yes and no <laughs> right like <laughs> <laughs> we have food for you yes, we you just can't eat here um, <laughs> we get we get a lot of people like that at the pizza place that want to come in cuz we're only doing outdoor seating we have four four tables out on the sidewalk in seattle um, and the indoors is closed and everybody that comes inside to even go to the bathroom has to get their temperature taken and, you know, answer a series of questions. Um, and then, uh, where was I going with that? I don't even know where I was going with that. Well, just, it, it, just the confusion about what people can and cannot. Oh yeah. Yeah. So, I mean, you get people walking up all the time and they're like, can we go inside? Cause, cause it's funny cause we're open during the daytime and we, we finally got some umbrellas out there. We've had to adapt absolutely since we've been doing this because the first couple weeks we would just put the tables out there and from 10 a.m to about two or three there's just direct sunlight right right and and i mean it's not that hot in seattle but we did have some 80 degree days and we're sitting in direct sunlight on the sidewalk in front of a window like (laughs) it's it's an extra 10 degrees or so you're just sweating so people wouldn't want to eat there um you know, if it sprinkles a little bit, you know, then, then nobody wants to sit there. Can we come inside? I'm like, sorry, you can't come inside. Yeah. Like, everybody here is, and then inside you got to stay six feet away from each other and everybody's wearing masks and we do hourly, um, sanitary, sanitation, sanitizations, um, you know, walk around with our D33 spray bottle and bleach the shit out of all of our clothes. Um, I think at that restaurant, uh, well, I think at most restaurants now, it's, it's just gloves all the time. Every single person is just always wearing um, gloves. Yeah, it, it looks it looks like a hospital cafeteria. Yeah. <laughs> There's masks and gloves like all the way down the line. Well, so trip, man. I mean, I, I I think I've sort of hit on a lot of the the ways in which those tensions about the amount of stress that we're under makes it harder to do what we do. But I, I, mm-hmm. I guess one question I have for you is like what what have you seen 
maybe in your professional life, but, but um, also in your personal life that, that gives you hope right now? Like what, what are the things that, that what, what is the ray of sunshine? That, that What's my spin on it? Um, so I, I think it's just, uh, okay, I, I, I can do this. I think, I, I think our, um, I think our industry has kind of been, it's, it's just been like duct tape on cracks for a long time anyways. You know, there's, there's, there's a lot of, there's a lot of foundational fractures, I guess, as far as, you know, emotional temperament and, and how that's rewarded um, the, 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 the whole tipping culture. I, I've been a, benefactor of but at the same time I, I have a big problem with I think just because as long as you're tipped you're kind of always looked down upon right yeah um, no matter how much you make you know it's, it's always something it's all you're always kind of relying on generosity of strangers which which is good and bad right well and I, I don't mean to interrupt you but for my knowledge right. that's been a very just complicated emotional thing for me because I wear at this point, I wear all the hats. So, mm -hmm. you know, I, I come in in the morning, I do my ordering, I do all my manager stuff. And then it comes to dinner service. I'm wearing the blacks and I got my apron on again. And it's like, it's like going back in time and taking, it does feel like, you know, there, there are those guests that know me because they're regulars and they, they know that, that I'm, I'm a manager. And then there's also just those people that, that have no idea. And, that's just that's a very strange dynamic right of, of being like yeah i i it's it's a self-esteem thing it's a it's a feeling of like i all of those notions that you have about like what hospitality jobs and service industry jobs like i i am part of this industry and yet i still have those underlying assumptions about oh well you're just, you're not serious enough. Like, you know, those feelings about what it means to be a line level server mm -hmm. in a restaurant. And, and it's like, as, as much as I know all of those assumptions and, and um, those feelings that, that our society has about the service industry, it's bullshit. It is. Mm -hmm. But I, I yeah, see even people in the service industry. What's that? I said even people in the service. Yeah, yeah, and and I'm seeing I'm seeing myself like feel all of those feelings about like oh, what what it means for my self esteem to to, you know, transition back into that when that that is purely societal like assumptions that I've adopted and and as much as I can recognize them and say yeah that's bullshit I still see myself like feeling that way about myself and, and I don't like it. Like that's, that's not an okay thing. It's not an okay thing to think about myself. It's not an okay thing to think about anybody in this industry. We, we are, we are people doing a, a, a thing that's important, right? Yeah. Um, yeah. We're we're giving of ourselves yeah. so you can have a nice time. Yeah. You know, it's, it's my, my job has always been to, to, you know, what one to serve the customer. And then to fill in the blank, you know, but it's, it's always been about the customer and, and about ensuring that they come in, they have a good time. I've always said some of, some of the, some of the biggest highlights of my life have been interactions. I met my, my wife was a customer before she was my girlfriend, fiance, wife. You know, I, I met her in, in my bar, you know, I, I've, I've always had a way of like connecting with people and that's always been very fulfilling for me. 
but but then there's also like i said there's all there's that other side where where as long as you're being tipped it's it's this servant mentality or whatever where people just feel like because you're working for them they can look down on you not everybody obviously right. but the, right. it's, the, it's just a societal thing yeah um and and so part of me in this whole in this whole <laughs> implosion of our industry kind of hopes that that maybe we can rewrite rewrite our future a little bit um you know someone like me who's who's been in this industry 20 years and and you know i, I feel like maybe maybe i'm worth more than minimum wage to my boss yeah how many times i can't tell you how many times over the years i've worked in different restaurants and ever since they started including um, credit card tips on your paycheck and the, the management ownership started becoming aware of how much the servers and bartenders make. There's been this level of jealousy or anger or whatever, but I feel like at every restaurant I, I've, I've had, you know, someone from that level since this happened, you know, so maybe four different restaurants I've worked at, five different restaurants over the years where someone comes to me and says, you know, you're making, you make more money than, than you deserve. Yep. Um, yeah. In one way or another. And you're just like, that's not, that's not, how that's not, yeah, that's first of all, you shouldn't be looking at my paycheck, you know, and if you want to try to make the money I make, then come do my job and yep. see if you can make the same as me. You know, I, I make, I make, you know, I, I, especially when it's tips, man, like I'm not, like, you can't steal that. That's what people, people give you that. Right. You know, you're not making more than you deserve. You're making what people think you're worth. Um, and, and when your boss says you're making more than you deserve, they don't think you're worth yeah. what your customers think you're worth. Yeah. And so then that makes you angry at your boss because they're a piece of shit <laughs> or whatever, you know, it's well, just hard. And, and so, but I mean, look, I, I have, I have worked for, you know, people that, that are vindictive and small and, and ego driven and, you know, every industry has, has that sort of set. Our industry has a lot, right. Of, of people that, that don't understand. Our industry rewards that kind of person well, to a certain extent. Well, so, I mean, to a certain on level. one level, on one level, our, our industry sort of holds this, this idea that if you're, if you're good, then you're, you'll excel, right. That's, that's one, that's one of the reasons that, that, that's that's one of the promises when you get in there. Right. Yeah, if right. You're good. Yeah. If you're good, you can you can do something, right? That's why that's why I've been a bartender so long is because you, if you're a good bartender, there's really no limit to the amount of money you can make. Right. You know. Right. And it really isn't like depend. You have to be willing to move and live in places where there's more people or higher traffic. But shit, man. Like if you want, you can to a certain. You know, but. At least that's been the promise and that's been the mindset for me all these years, you know, and, and then you, I get to another level where I'm like, oh, wait, I can do more and I'm worth more. Yeah. yeah. And, you know, I when when I'm honest about, you know, what what my skill set is and, and where my strengths are like, look, I, I have excelled in this industry because I have there's a certain sense of like, I'm going to put my head down and I'm going to get the job done and I'm going to I'm going to be an anchor, you know, like. I, I know that there, there are certain, there are certain areas where like I, this, I've been good at this job just because I, I have that ability to power through when, when everything's falling apart. Like one of my biggest roles is just to make people feel like we're going to get through this. And, and that's, you know, that's like, it's, it's rare in an industry where, you know, 
a lot of times people they're they're pushed to to an edge right um and but well i mean that's that's like our industry in general i mean we we kind of to to be good at what we do to be good at restaurants working in restaurants you kind of have to thrive in 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 that chaos yeah. and, and be able to find your sanity that battlefield mentality almost where things are things are going wrong all around you <laughs> <laughs> you know and 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 you know then then you make your decisions on how you react to those moments you know yeah. do you keep you you keep going strong or do you become that anchor yeah. and, and that's actually one of the things i love about the service industry is because you really get to see people's personalities on those nights um you know when when everybody is pushed to the limits and someone's over in the corner crying and you got like you got like quiet bobby over there who's now like giving orders and directing everyone and like being that silent background you're like whoa what the hell bobby who knew and now he's like he's the guy that's like the most valuable person in the restaurant yeah. because like now he's the one that like can kind of give a little bit of zen in that chaos or well and that's you know at least for his corner and his crew yeah and, ahead, and that's one of the things i miss the most about this particular time is that like that sense of camaraderie it it, it just we are we are fighting enemies on all fronts right and and mm -hmm. i i can't back back in june when when we had indoor dining at 50 percent occupancy and bars were open in sacramento you know that there were a couple of guys from the kitchen they were like hey let's let's grab a beer like we wrapped up at a decent hour and and mm -hmm. like like as much yeah. as, as i would love that and as much as i i fucking need that for my sanity like now's not the time like I, you know you do you know what you do with that is you don't go grab a beer you just bring a six-pack to work right and then you tell them you say hey guys don't leave at the end of the shift we're gonna we're gonna go we're gonna go sit on the trunks of our cars individually and we're each gonna have these beers and you know we'll have a beer and then we'll drive i get a six-pack of rainier or yingling or whatever yeah what do you guys have in california what's your shitty beer down there uh our shitty beer we are <laughs> you know it, it's not like we've got our our lone star i i i don't know what our our cheap go-to is um the kitchen yeah you don't you're not a big beer drinker these days What's anymore that? right you've shifted off a of beer huh? no, no, no i drink a lot of beer but, but my go -to, oh, yeah. my go-to is lagunitas um just their ipa yeah hey uh quick shout out because I had a beer the other, I'm, I'm not drinking a ton of beer these days, but I had um, Silver City made a strawberry vanilla IPA. It yeah, was wacky. Sounds, it, it was sounds. like, it, it was like Fruit Loop beer, and it was delicious. Nice, nice. Yeah, and it was it was like hoppy Fruit Loops. It was like pouring beer actually on like yeah. It was yeah. it was pretty good. I was stoked about it. Yeah. But um, speaking of Lagunitas, they do a, a hop water that sort of tastes like green tea but it's a zero alcohol product um i think just a lot of people are are finding sobriety and yeah yeah well that's good too because yeah yeah i mean no i i've i have been very look man the depression is real like i yeah. like there everybody has lots of reasons to be depressed right now and there's always a reason you gotta, I mean, it's all about your focus and your intention yeah. though, right? I mean, if, if you want to be depressed or you're comfortable being depressed, I don't know, people don't even want to be depressed, yeah, yeah. Yeah. but there's, there definitely is a way out of it, you know? Yeah. It's just, but it's alcohol just, is a depressant. There's no question about that. That is true. If you want, yeah, if you don't want to be depressed, don't drink alcohol. Yeah. 
because it'll it'll help you get there a lot quicker. Yeah. So, uh, but the other thing, like, I mean, for me, I have come to this place. I mean, in my twenties, I would drink because I wanted the wheels to come off. Like, I I wanted that mm-hmm. feeling of like. Yeah, the chaos was fun. Gonna happen, right, and, yeah. <laughs> and that's why alcohol was fun, you know. Yeah. And it, it it gave you limitless potential. Absolutely, absolutely. Um, it's like that Bradley Cooper movie. Yeah. Like <laughs> um, but at this point in my life, when you know, I mean, I just it, it's not unless it's a social situation, like I, I just don't care. Like it's not. Well, here's, here's the thing that I've kind of done with my perspective on things. Um, I'll give you a little backstory and then I'll bring it back around. I promise it'll make sense. So when I was a painter, when I was painting, I, I quit bartending for a while and I went and I became, I worked construction and I became a painter and I did that for several years. And then 2008 hit and all the job sites shut down. And so I went back to bartending. So I was like, well, I hated this all along. I might as well just go back to what I love. Um, but one of the things that really, no offense to any painters out there, one of the things that got me out of painting was I looked at all of the painters that have been doing it for a long time (laughs) and, and they looked rough, um, rough. Like it, like the guys in their fifties looked like they were in their seventies. The guys in their thirties looked like they were in their fifties. You know, it was, it's, it's a rough job. And, and and you you inhale a lot of fumes. There's a lot of dust, and and there's a, there's also a lot of alcoholism um, circling that industry. Uh, a lot of people, you know, cause it's one of the lower paid trades, and so people are you know less valued, and so they just you know tend to tend to feel shittier about themselves. I think. Um, but with that perspective, I kind of I'd like to take that that perspective on the industry. And one of the things that helped me be like, oh man, I, I don't want to do this because I've I want to have longevity. You know, I, I want to live a healthier life. Being healthy has always been really, really important. Um, whether I, I have been or not, it's always been like something that I've strived after or longed for. Um, and so then I look at now with that mindset, I take that mindset of looking at the painters at people who <laughs> at alcoholics, right. Or people who drink, not, not even alcoholics, but people who, casually drink comfortably don't have a problem about it but they drink you know multiple times a week they like to crush a bud light here and there you know and then you look at that person in 20 years you know versus someone who doesn't do that in 20 years from me i'm 39 years old so you know 59 what am i going to look at look like at 59 if i continue the patterns i'm doing now Versus if I don't, you know, am I going to be healthy, happy? Am I going to be flexible? Are my joints going to be, you know, where I want them to be? Am I going to have like less, you know, less in my gut so my back doesn't hurt? You know, I have more mobility. That's important to me. You know, I, I want to be able to use my body for as long as I possibly can. Um, and so I want to be intentional with how I treat it, you know. And so that that's one of those things where I've really been trying to be aware of my alcohol intake because, I see myself and how my body reacts. If I'm drinking a drink every day, my metabolism slowed. I don't sleep as well. Yeah. Um, I start getting a gut like it right in the stomach. It goes straight there. Um, you know, so then you got to cut it out and then, and then, you know, cut it out to a couple of days a week and then, and then you start feeling kind of those benefits or, or just give yourself that, you know, month break every once in a while just to kind of detox your system. And I feel like every time I take a month off and I detox, I feel better and better. And then I feel like 
I'm able to like kind of rewrite my habits anyways, because it's so easy to just fall in that routine, especially now during COVID. Right. Um, you know, that was one of, I have, I, I don't know if you guys know this, but I'm a bartender and I have a podcast about bartending. So I have a liquor cabinet. <laughs> How's that going? By the way? <laughs> yeah, my, my home bar is, um, is better than a lot of bars I've worked in. I, I have a lot of booze in my house. Um, just, or, you know, we've been doing this podcast for two years now, you know? And so, <laughs> there's a lot here and I, I um and so there, it's 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 more than self-control you really have to give yourself um you know like set habits and routines that that you can follow um and then just and follow and, you know it's so easy to just walk over and put yourself, I just you be like shit go get a shot of tequila because it's in the and it's in the cabinet I don't have to go to the bar down the street to have the best cocktail I could I could think of you know I could just make it for myself yeah you know it's just it's just this different level of awareness i guess um, but but uh, but alcohol is it's it's definitely one of those things that i think it, it's probably one of the best and worst things that's happened to our to our species as a, as, a, as, a, as a as a as as a culture you know it's 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 got it's given us so much but it's also taken so much you know and there's really a balance in there that i think if you can find it's wonderful but well, it's, that's it's what I mean. So, so right now, you know, I, I have, I've sort of limited my drinking. I will drink on Mondays, you know, mm -hmm. I hang out on, on Zoom on Mondays. And, and yeah. D&D &D days, bro. Woo! <laughs> Shout out to the silver wing. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, that's four people are excited right now. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, that's the day I, I drink. Right. Like, and, and it is, it is remarkable how like how easy it is to create a little reward system for yourself. It's just like, yeah, instead of, instead of coming home every night from work, having a couple beers and, and waiting until I just feel so spent that I pass out. Yeah. I'm, I'm going to save it. I'm going to drink on Mondays. And, and you know, mm -hmm. it's like, yeah, I, I've, I've had Mondays where I start drinking at noon and then by four o'clock it's like, but like that's the one like that's the one pizza for dinner piece of cake you know like that's that's the one treat that i'm i'm giving myself so, so mm -hmm. that it doesn't become the thing that that i look forward to every day it's the thing that i look forward yeah. to that day right like yeah that's i love i love that too because it gives you it, it gives you that reward you know it's it's like God, I remember like in my early, in my early days of trying to eat right and trying to figure out my diet, you know, I would, I would, I, I'm a big believer in, um, in, uh, living life, li like everything with, uh, moderation. Right. But, but finding that, you know, to get to that point, I had to, I had to live to some extremes to kind of understand the importance of moderation. And so I would do these extreme diets where we just eat like brown rice and like and grilled chicken no 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 salt no pepper just plain plain chicken you know i, I part, part of me thought that like depriving my taste buds was also gonna like help make me healthy <laughs> it's so silly because you can make everything taste good <laughs> but but you know we would have a cheat day and that but then that was kind of one of the things that got me through that time was was giving myself the reward you know um, right. of right. of of that and you know i think with with food there's definitely some some different boundaries to write and healthier habits to form but um but with alcohol i i, I love that I, I love like just like 
saving it for saving it for a day or you know or you or it's something for celebration i mean even like if you think about if you think about like the 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 monks back in the day that that made beer you know the the or I guess the nuns made the beer and the monks like bottled it or whatever the rules were. But you know, the, 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 they had their special, like special occasion beers and then they had their Sunday beer and then they had kind of their, their normal beer that they would have like here and there. But they, they had like the, they would at least like have like that's the triple and the double and all, you know, when you see the, the X's on the bottles, like the, yeah, yeah. the triple, the three X was like, you know, that was like Christmas beer and like the, the double was like Sunday beer, you know? Yeah. I think they would still drink every day though, because that was back when humans were like, <laughs> "Let's get lit." No, I think that was back when water was more dangerous than anything else that you. That's true too, right? Yeah, we didn't have the water filtration, and so everybody was just drinking alcohol because, <laughs> and then they were just dehydrated all the time. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> Can you imagine how dehydrated you would be if you just drank beer all day? Oh my god! And never drink water because yeah. they didn't drink water. No, because they're water, like water's in beer. Water. water. <laughs> Uh, your urine is supposed to be brown, you guys. <laughs> no, it's not. Let's do our cocktail. Cocktail time. <laughs> Speaking of focusing on the past, let's look back to 2008 when a tasty quaff was created at the Shady Lady Saloon in Sacramento, California by um, Rene Dominguez. Is the, the, the crafty bartender behind this drink. It's the, it's the white linen. Um, the Sacramento born white linen. It's fun to do a Sacramento cocktail because that's where you're at. And so we like to honor your little area there. Um, and the culture that, and one of the drinks that, that they've put forward that really, it looks like it is kind of one of the signature cocktails of, of the city um, at this point. And it's, uh, uh, it's really fun. I think I just did all the history in the intro. Uh, there's not a whole lot written about it. Um, I had to dig a little pretty deep, but there's the, the backstory here says that it was created in, in 08 by, by Rene Dominguez at the Shady Lady Saloon. Um, at that time in 2008, man, that was, uh, that was really kind of the beginning of the, of the craft cocktail resurgence, I feel like. Um, and so they were, they were, uh, they were, they were probably definitely on the up and up as, in, in that time, as far as uh, being a, a, a hip cocktail bar, right? Um, and, and, uh, yeah, it's, it's a, it's a really nice drink. So Kimball likes wine. And so we, we went with something to be topped with wine. Um, this one and, and, and some of the recipes it calls for, uh, soda. I'll actually get to the recipe here. Let me say, so the drink itself is, uh, the soda, the, the last time I made it, I, I used Prosecco in place of soda. Um, and one of the nice things about bubbles, right, is that it just it gives everything that, that sense of like this is this is a celebration. This is this mm -hmm. is, you know it elevates everything to that level of, of just a little more excitement. That's that's the reason I'm drinking these bubbles today. Uh -huh. uh, it's it, a celebration. Bubbles are always like a yeah celebratory. I mean, we talked about that early on about the the pop of the cork is yeah. just kind of like. It's, it's not what you're supposed to do, but it also signifies the beginning of the party, yep. right? Um, yeah, the, the, the recipe here, it says uh, officially, <laughs> uh, five to six cucumber slices, a half ounce of lime juice, one and a half ounces of gin, um, 
preferably, I believe, a cucumber leaning gin. So Hendrix or something in that style. There are others that use cucumber too that you can find, especially locally. Here. There's one in Seattle called Ebb and Flow that would be probably amazing with it because it's really got a good cucumber taste. Um, and then a one half ounce elderflower liqueur. So your Saint Germain, unless someone, I think, whatever. There's probably like smaller boutique elderflower liqueurs at this point, but everybody just knows the Saint Germain yeah. to be the the king of that. Um, and then and then yeah, you top. So you shake all that up. Um, and or honestly, you could probably just like you just shake it because you got the fruit juice and the cucumbers around the model, right? And then you pour that over fresh ice and then top with your Prosecco yep. or, your, or your soda water if you want to lower the alcohol content. But I feel like whenever, whenever you see a drink that has soda water added to it, there's, that's a really good opportunity to add some sort of sparkling wine. I think initially that's what they even used because sparkling wine was the only thing that gave you that effervescent um, asset aspect to a cocktail like because those existed before we had the ability to carbonate water <laughs> i think yeast fermentation was around before carbonation yeah um that's an interesting so, question i wonder um so do you know like in the history of like uh um other other soda applications like i guess uh a collins would would that generally be topped with Collins, I think at that time you had, they had the, the spritzer and so gotcha. Yeah. It, it came, it was cause Collins was basically Collins mix is essentially just carbonated sweet and sour mix. Mm. Uh, if I remember there, I'd, I would work in bars that actually had a Collins mix on the soda gun. Um, and then so you back when people ordered Collins all the time or, or no, actually what we did is we had sweet and sour on the soda gun and you would double press for the Collins. So you press the soda and the Collins button at the same time, or the soda and the sour button. Yeah, but but that was back when people when sweet and sour was acceptable out of a out of a concentrate bag, and I don't feel like that's a that's a thing anymore. <laughs> we have higher standards these days. I don't want high fructose corn syrup. In my... We we can make changes for the better. Like the world, <laughs> things do change. Yeah, yeah, we've evolved. Yeah. <laughs> But but also, I, um, it sometimes soda water can be few and far between, and I and I I feel like I always have some sparkling wine around. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And so th this was made kind of in, in the in the with the mindset of the French seventy five or something, kind of light and light and citrusy with with uh, with the bubbles on it. And I, th I think this is this is essentially a French seventy five with um, with lime instead of lemon. Uh, and then you add the elderflower and the cucumber. But you have the gin, the citrus, and the bubbles, and then you just add two more factors to that, and we have the the white linen. So it's a uh, it's a real nice summery drink, I would imagine. We'll we'll make that on the uh, on the YouTube channel, and you guys nice. will have a chance to make it yourselves. As far as like return episodes, I need to build a little more of a structure because. My whole structure is around like the first episode and we get all that like intro information. This one, I think it's, I don't know, we're, we're, I think we're doing good though. It's just talking more about the current times and what's happening. It's not the, the exact formula of the show, but I think for what's going on right now, it's, it's kind of, it gives me comfort. <laughs>
it helps me to be able to talk about it. And I think it'll, I think it'll, I think it'll be worth something to some. Yeah. I mean, um, I, I had a lot of, uh, just sort of mixed feelings about coming back on right now, just because it it is a dark place. Like it, Mm -hmm. it, I like I like to hear this though. I like to document it and hear and like you get to hear the questions that we have now because then we're gonna listen to this in a month or two months, you know, and, and then and and we'll have perspective, you know, uh, a two month greater perspective on what's going on. So it, I don't know. It, it at least for now, as long as we keep our heads and we're just like you know curious and hopeful and just keep moving forward, you know. I'm not you know. There's there's. <sighs> Life's gonna keep happening, you know. All we have to, all, all we can really do is just, is just try to, uh, try to keep up with it. Yeah, you know. <laughs> um, find, find a, find a role for us in, in the future because, I mean, right now there isn't one. I think we're all just scrambling. I, I mean, I've, I've, man, the, like real talk, the, the depression hits sometimes. You know, you, you get hit hard, and there's those days where you're just, you're. I, I was telling. Brooke, my wife, you know, just so unfulfilled by my work right now um, because it's not, it's not what I do. You know, it's, yeah. it's cashier job, you know, and it's, it's, I don't have the same connection with people. I don't have the same creativity, you know, with making yeah. drinks and having fun and getting people to try this and do that. And this is, you know, it's not, not, none of it. Like it's not bartending isn't a job right now. It's not, this is the closest I get to it on this podcast. Yeah. <laughs> you know, where I can get, where we can actually sit and have conversations and make drinks and stuff. Um, well, and, and also, you know, I, I mentioned that like, I'm, I'm putting on that server hat and I'm, I'm, you know, doing, doing that role again. And like, I've been away from that role for a, a good amount of time. Like I, I've been a manager for a long time. And so it's, it's hard to step back into that role and, and look at myself as a server and be like, am I even good at this anymore? And just feeling, feeling that, that sort of displacement, right? That like this, this is not the path that I would have chosen for myself. And, you know, like there, there's a way in which the world just doesn't like, it's hard. It's hard to make a joke right now, period. And, and, you know, full stop. Like, I, I don't know how to be in a jovial sort of state of mind you know, where I'm not. It takes, uh, it takes kind of a fucked up sense of humor. Right, right. Um, <laughs> but, but, it's, but it's possible. Yeah. Um, but especially with your guests that are sitting in your section, right? Like making a joke with somebody that you don't know in today's world <laughs> feels like stepping on a landmine, right? <laughs> like, yeah, man. I, there was, I got it. There was like a situation. I, I made a joke. Yeah. Yeah. No, yeah. Absolutely. <laughs> I don't even need to give the yeah, example. No, it was bad. No, it's hey, guys, can you imagine that I made the joke in the wrong time at one point? Yeah. That was, that's happened. <laughs> yeah. 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 Pre COVID we lived in a very like decadent society, right? Like, there, there was this notion of, you know, if you wanted it, you could get it instantly, right? Like, and, and then this whole period has shown us that, like, what, what is really necessary? Like, what, what is, what are the essentials of, of what you need to get you from, you know, how, how do you 
satisfy those basic needs, right? And and fine dining is a luxury. There, that's there's no way around it that that we we work in it. Well, it's 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 it's, it's the it's the um, the Rolls Royce of of going out to eat. You know, it's it's first class dining. Yep. You know that's it's 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 the nicest way you could have dinner. Honestly, you know, you're getting treated like you're getting treated the best. You're having the best food made for you in the best way with the, with the best wine pairings. You know, it's definitely first class, you know, and so yeah, first class. For, but that's the thing, though, is like first class hasn't gone away. There's just less people flying first class right now. You right. Know? So there's right. there's still a need for it. But but I think it's also one of those things that it's probably going to become more expensive to go out and eat fried dining. You know, it's not. It's not going to, because right now it's, it's, that's the thing is it, it's, it's on the spendier end of going out to eat, but it's affordable for just about everybody. Well, and that's, I mean, I, I reached a point, I reached a point, you know, three, four years ago where every time I would go out that you, you feel like the cost, you know, the, the quality price ratio is just not there. Right. You, you go out yeah. and, and, but that doesn't change the fact that, restaurants struggle like it's hard to meet those margins and you know that's that's one of the as from an artistic perspective that's a really sad thing because that means that 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 chefs and and dining rooms like are less likely to take risks because it's an expensive risk to take right and and yeah i want i want the industry to be able to do things that are weird and, and that, that alienate some people, but, but other people flock to because that's what, that's what creativity is all about. Right. But when, mm-hmm. when it's all about just survival, you know, you just, you, you have to, you have to do what you do to, to bring people through the door and, and just, you know, yeah. make stuff that you want to be a hit all the time. It's got to be some sort of adaptability. Yeah. But right. that's the only way to survive is to adapt to your surroundings. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I know. He's <laughs> uh, got dark again. That's all right. I mean, that's like I said, you know, it, 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 I, it, things are real. You know, it's, it doesn't matter what they are. We need to label them. It's just how they, they are how they are. This is life right now, <laughs> but we'll get through it. You know, it's it's just we're 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 just currently faced with a challenge that we don't necessarily have an answer to, um, and so honestly, that's been most of my life. <laughs> yeah, you know, um, you, you just gotta hold on um, and and trust that as long as there's a tomorrow, there will be a solution. Um, we'll figure it out. You know, we'll come through it. And, and I'm like, I, like I said, I'm, I'm really curious and excited to see what the innovative brains in our industry come up with, because there are a lot of really, really creative people out there that have a lot of really cool ideas um, that I would never have even thought of. <laughs> and so I'm, I'm interested to see over the next, you know, six months, two months, year, how, how, um, how we move forward. You know, it's, yeah. it's not going to be, and that, and it has to be forward. It can't be backward. We can't just expect to go back to the way things were before because that's just not how the world is anymore. But there, there is a path forward, you know, and it, it, it starts with taking a step and just, just being willing, 
Yeah. Yeah, that you're going to land on the ground. I think for me, one of the biggest things I have to keep in mind is that like, I need to, I need to allow where we're at right now to, to be okay. Cause I, there, there's, I, like I said, there's just so much pressure that every, every decision that I make feels like it's a, it's a make or break situation. And, and, and you can't, you can't go in every single day saying, if I don't, if I don't hit a home run, then, then I'm done. Like I, yeah. I need to, I need to figure out how to, how to just say, I don't have enough information. I don't have enough information to know yeah. how much staff I need tomorrow night. Like I, I legitimately don't like, I don't have that knowledge because we're in a brand new world where mm -hmm. people are avoiding coronavirus. People are not wanting to inhale toxic air that, you know, from, from the fires. And like, I, I need to be okay with the fact that I'm doing everything that I can to keep this restaurant alive. And mm -hmm. at some point it's outside of my control. Like, I yeah, man. it it's, What's that? When in doubt, overstaff and phase, and and just phase on phase on a rotation. You know, if you have to. It, it 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 sucks, but it's also it's also what we all understand as normal. I mean, I I know that when I go to work, if I'm not a manager, there's a good and and I'm the first one there. I'm probably going to be the first one phased. If I'm the last one there, I'll probably be there to the end. You know that or, you know or whatever the cycle goes. You know, as long as you're not a manager, there's a good chance you're not going to work your full eight hours if you're not busy. Yeah. And that's, yeah. that's, that's one of the perks of the industry. I, I, as far, you know, is, is uh, random nights off. Yeah. <laughs> when you, even when you don't want it, a night off yeah. is still a night off. Yeah. You know? I mean, you know, that, that other question of like, what else, what else would I do? You know, it's like, <laughs> yeah. Well, and, and that's, that's all about um, self-evaluation, I think. Uh, an unbiased self-evaluation. So if you can look at yourself, if you, if you can, or have someone help you look at yourself like as an employee, and then you look at all your skills and then transfer those in, in, in and just write them on paper instead of writing good with customers, you know, you're good with people, yeah. you know, and then just, you know, self-starter, you know, hard worker, innovate, you know, creative thinker, get all these things on paper. And then, and then you can start translating that into your resume, um, once, once you think of something else that might be interesting, you know, it's all about, it's all about selling yourself. We're, we're very much a sales industry. And so we need to, we need to learn um, how we can sell ourselves better too, I think. Yeah. Cause that'll, that just makes the industry better too. You know, people have more, people have more faith in themselves and they ask for, or they, they, they hold themselves to a higher value and they stop accepting minimum wage and we were able to raise our wages. Yep. So who knows, man, I, I, I think through, you know, through the, through the fire and the ashes, the Phoenix will be born, you know, in, in the hardest times of our life, whenever we're challenged the most as, as humans, it seems, it seems to be when we come up with our greatest solutions and, and our, our most life altering decisions are made in, in, in these times. Um, and so, you know, that, that's, I just, I just want to be on the right side of that. You know, I want to make, you know, make the right choices for, for myself and for the future of things in this time, because I know that the, the opportunity is there for something great to happen. 
Yeah. Currently, currently, because we, you know, we're, we're capable as, as humans of, of great things, you know, of, of great accomplishments. And so we just, sometimes we just need to hold ourselves to a higher standard um, and then we'll meet it without even knowing it. I don't know if that's helpful. But. Well, and you know, I think right now is the time to, to take stock of what we actually have, right? The things that we're grateful for and, and figure mm-hmm. out, you know, we're how, also like, how to let go of things that don't make sense anymore. Yeah. We're also, we're also seeing like the people that care about the industry too, right? The people that give a shit and have yeah. invested, invested their life into it versus people that were just doing it as a side gig. So I think the service industry is really going to be a stronger industry just because we're having so much of the, of the, the, the part-timers, you know, burnt off right now. Right. Right. So, I mean, there, there, there's a lot of good that can come out of this. We just have to, we just have to keep our focus on that. Uh, are we ready for last call? Last call. Let's get your ass out of here so you can go do your life things. <laughs> Cheers. Cheers. Thank you, Joey. Thank you, Kendall. Thanks for coming on again, man. Thank you, Kelly. Thank you for having these hard conversations because I think I'm, I'm a, like I said earlier, I, I, I like life in moderation. So these can't all, you know, it's not all just happy go lucky chuckles and, and joy. You know, sometimes there's, there's hard questions and, and, and some real problems that you have to overcome in life. And so this is just, a, um, you know, this is just a documented part of that journey and, and, and I, I value it. Yeah. <laughs> no, I, I, I think, I think our listeners will too. I think that, I think there's some real, some real good in here. So, well, you know, it's, it's like I said earlier, it, it's important to reflect and sort of take, take pause and, and, and evaluate where we really are. Mm-hmm. Even, even though it's, it's not, it's not great. Like it, there's it, a lot of shit. It's not great, but that's being honest. And, 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 you know, you can't lie yourself through life and just say everything's great all the time because that's not being realistic. And, and once you, once you start being honest with yourself, then you start dealing with your situations that you're in. Um, do you have any, uh, any plugs or any shout outs or anything you want to give? Um, you can, I, I have a big one. Around the and, uh, you can find my restaurant at waterboyrestaurant.com. Waterboy. Waterboy, the restaurant, not the movie. Yes, <laughs> we were th- we were there before the movie, so <laughs> hell yeah, <laughs> that movie will be twenty four years for us. Um, nice. Yep, curbside patio dining here in Midtown Sacramento. Come check. It out. Nice, awesome. Well, thank you, Kendall, again for coming on. Um, like I said, I, I I love you, man, and and I I I truly value your perspective, and and I, I really appreciate you coming on and sharing this time with us. Thank you. Um, I really, I think, you know, this means a lot. And, and as, as hard as this conversation has been, you know, in, in thinking about, Oh, how do I, how do I be honest about the, the, the stress that, that I feel and, and sort of still have a, have a forward facing sort of, Oh, you know, we're going to make it. But we got to a place where we could actually talk about the real, the real shit. Right. And, mm-hmm. and that's important. Absolutely. Thank you, John. Absolutely. Thank you, Kendall. All right. Thank you, Kelly, for uh, the den mother. I should say thanks to the den mother for, for being her usual badass self. And she's
keeping us on track. Um, thank you to all the listeners out there. We love you guys. Thank you to Brian. Thank you to Peter. And uh, our, 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 thank you to our sponsors. <laughs> it's uh, Barfly, Mixology Products, and Scratch Skirts. Um, check them out down in Edmonds. They're scra- they have a patio open now, so you can go down and get some drinks on their patio if you'd like. Um, and remember, um, our special note today is, is to register to vote, get out, vote early, um, get your vote in as quick as you can, if you're mailing it in especially, because it's all going to be counted. I'm sure you're hearing it all over the place, but we just want to reiterate that. You know, now's, the, now's the time to vote. <laughs> Our country is is in a is in a a position, and we need we need participation. Um, so, thanks, guys. Until next time, we love you. Stay safe. Love you, Joy. Bye. Thanks for listening to Life from the Well, full of service industry stories and cocktail history. If you like our show and want to know more, check out lifefromthewell.com. Life from the Well would also like to thank our sponsors, Scratch Distillery and Barfly Mixology Gear. Join us next time for another new cocktail and guest.